Pod. We are coming to you live from the newly christened Club L at uh, <laughs> Razor Pod Studio. What you get when you lose instead of Club Dub, we're in Club L. And uh, boy, what an L it was. Uh, Johnny Fayetteville, I'm going to let you lead off with the uh, San Jose State discussion. Oh, man. Club L, this place is dead. <laughs> um, you know, oh, you, you, oh, I thought we were doing introductions. My fault. I'm sorry. I, okay. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm saying let's jump no, right in. Oh. Let's, let's rip the bandaid off and let's uh, let's talk about just how bad it was. Well, that was a feces show if I've ever seen one. Um, you know, it, well, the, the number the number one thing we yeah, we don't our talent's not that great, but we had better talent than San Jose State. Uh, that team was not ready to play. Uh, that team clearly uh, thought they were going to roll their helmets out and dominate San Jose State. Uh, we were not sharp, not crisp. We didn't want to. We just we were we failed in absolutely every aspect of that game. And these next, next coming five games, we're going to get the crap beat out of us because we don't have the talent that a lot of these teams are going to be playing have. Um, and for us to have any kind of measurable success, we had to win these games that we were favored in, and we're not going to, so we're not going to have a successful season. Here's my big fuss. Here's my big fuss if you want to boil it down. Things like this, you know, I never played D1 college football, but sports are sports no matter what. You don't get, you don't get your game face on and get prepared to play 30 minutes before kickoff or 30 minutes before tip-off. Your game face and being prepared to play and being sharp is something that happens through the course of not just the day before practice, not just the week before practice, but all the practices that you have leading up to that day. So what conclusions can we draw? It's like a scientific experiment. I've been talking about science projects with my kid all night. So that, what kind of you know, conclusion can we draw from that is that we don't have good focus we don't have good practice habits and that we may think we're practicing hard and practicing crisply, but we're not. So the two things that I'm really concerned about that I think are true alarm bells, true alarm bells, not just for this season, but for this staff and this program are the fact that a, the, 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 the head, the, let's say the fish rots from the head. And I think this is a direct trickle down from our staff. And I also think that, we aren't. We you know we have not been focused and we have not been demanding enough in leading up to this game because this is the result that you get when you don't demand perfection and you don't demand high levels of achievement from your team. I, I don't think this is something. Mo Morrison, his post game press conference, said, "Well, I, I just didn't see this coming." But then I saw him before the game, and then they were real giddy. I don't believe any of that. I think that's all a bunch of BS. I think that he probably knew when he saw his team that he hadn't got them prepared. And I don't think this is something that he would have noticed right before the game. I don't think that's how this works. So it is a huge, flaming, lookout, heads-up sign for me that there's something not kosher with his staff's preparation and the way that they have their team's attention. 
All right. Uh, good good leap right onto the deep end there. Uh, Tom Logan. <laughs> it's deep. You, oh, it's, it's very deep. <laughs> it's deep and full of quicksand and alligators. <laughs> um, Tom, jumping to Freaking you Freaking laser sharks. <laughs> laser sharks. Uh, Tom, I'm going to jump into with you next and uh, ask you to give your thoughts, but also kind of take it in a well, I'll wait on that and give that question, Jimmy G. Why don't you just give me your thoughts? Uh, well, I mean, my thoughts are a lot like Johnny's and probably most of our listeners. Um, it, it really is. Uh, it, I mean, it's obvious to anybody watching the game that the team wasn't ready to play. Um, I mean, the first play of the game, uh, they get a bomb uh, for 40 yards or so. And – and rather than you know, <clears throat> rather than you know stopping them there, we didn't even put up much of a fight or much of a resistance, and they scored. Um, in fact, that uh, I think one of our listeners' mailbag mentioned that uh, so far only Ole Miss has not uh, scored on their opening possession against the Hogs' defense this year, which is remarkable given that our opponents were San Jose State, Portland State, and. Colorado State. Um, I know Ole Miss scored on the second for those counting at home, but um, I, it, it was it was puzzling from the beginning. We the first half was unbelievable, unbelievably bad against a really poor football team, and uh, and you know it was a pretty decent crowd. It seemed uh, Jimmy G can tell us for sure. Um, no, well, <laughs> maybe he can't. But he could have, uh, and uh, I mean the the crowd seemed good. It was a perfect perfect night for football, and uh, and we just I mean I, I think laying an egg is a dis, disservice to what that was. It, they didn't even they didn't even go through the motion of laying an egg. They it was an absolute um, it was a debacle, and, and then I, it was almost worse that in the second half they actually finally got some points on the board and and San Jose State um I, I thought for the life of me they were going to they were trying to give us the game they seemed like they were you know just missing plays or something was happening and they couldn't get any points missing field goals and it just felt you know when we cut it to 7 points even i thought we're probably going to come back and win this game by three by not by by two touchdowns and then when we tied it i thought for sure well sure certainly at this point we're going to win the game and it, whether it's in overtime or in regular season or in the regular time and they just i mean just ripped down the field it was remarkable it was like joe montana over there uh against the Bengals. it was it was a it, it was a clinic uh, and, a, and a clinic put on by a team that has had won before then two games against uh, division or F, FBS teams in two years. Um, and it lost to Army, la, Army last year, fifty-two to three, and uh, <laughs> had gotten rolled rolled at home two weeks ago by two weeks, Tulsa. By Tulsa, not a good Tulsa team, and so it was. Ju- it was just. I don't. I. I, I was. It was comical, frankly, and 
I, I probably still if the if the team if we had not been so bad last year and so bad for so long, I probably would still be mad about it. I'm not mad at all about it. It's just outrageous at this point. And, and you have to, you know, there 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 were red flags last year waving uh, in the in the wind um, when the Colorado State loss when we blew that lead and a couple other leads that we blew late. Well, I, I don't know what the color is of the flag that's waving right now, but it is bright and it is obvious. And Skull and crossbones. I don't. I don't know how. I don't know. <laughs> What's the one they wave when the jellyfish are out? That one's <laughs> the purple. 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 It's purple. Purple. It's a purple. One. Purple flag. Whatever yeah. flag it is, it is. It, it's. It's not boding well. And as, as Johnny alluded to, you know, we got five weeks of SEC opponents coming up, um, and um, you know we'll we'll probably sneak up on a few, but I, I don't think it'll matter. Jimmy G to you now. Um, and the question I wanted to ask Tom, but I held for you as our resident Razorback historian was to put this loss in uh, historical context with the, the very great many Razorback losses that are memorable. But where does this one rank? Wow. Um well, first, uh, the most alarming thing to me is that we can't roll our helmets out there and beat a team like San Jose State. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. True. That's yeah. the most alarming thing. All the other stuff that y'all are talking about, about being prepared, I totally agree with that. But it shouldn't matter, those things, when we play San Jose State. I don't care about our lack of talent level compared to SEC foes. That's fine. I mean, yeah, we know that. But the fact that we can't just roll our helmets out and end up beating San Jose State is truly alarming. Um, but anyway, uh, the I still don't think it's as bad as the Citadel um, because I guess that was the first big like shock. It was just like holy crap, we just lost to the Citadel, um, and that was uh, that was still shocking. That was what 1992. That was 27 years ago. Um, In my very first Razorback game. Freshman year, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Great introduction to Razorback yeah. sports. Well, they wanted to get you off on the right foot. Um, <laughs> so I had a half gallon of Jägermeister at that game, <laughs> and it wasn't enough. It was, it was 103 degrees. Scotty. Oh, what so, are you doing? Making making a series of, making a series of bad decisions that started at kickoff on that Saturday. <laughs> that was a. Uh, that was the one and only game I ever sat in the student section for. Um, and it was my first year back from OU. And uh, we went over to somebody's house that night. And uh, we were calling a buddy of ours who was out of town. It was Labor Day weekend. I know that. So he had gone somewhere instead of the Razorback game for some unknown reason. I mean, what a lack of being a true fan. But we called his house. And that was back in the days of answering machines, obviously. And uh, we left a series of messages just laughing at the Razorbacks and how bad they were. So um, even back then, young Jimmy G was uh, <laughs> willing to make fun of the Hogs. Uh, but you had to. And that's kind of what you have to do about – the only problem then is there was some light at the end of the tunnel um, that, you know, maybe we'd get this thing turned around because uh, <laughs> the next day we fired Jack Crow. And <laughs> you're like, wow, they're not going to accept this. And that was because Coach Burroughs did that. Um this is up there, though. I mean, it's got to be right behind it. 
San Jose State is dreadful. They were, well, I think, four and twenty-three their last twenty-seven games, um, and they were showing their coach at one point. It was in the first half, I think. They showed their coach on the sideline and showed that he used to be a receiver or uh, something at San Jose, and he'd been the receivers coach at like Oregon or Washington. Not even a coordinator. And when they hired him, they restore the glory to their football program and he certainly seemed uninspiring his record was uninspiring and you're thinking man that guy you know hope he enjoyed his playing days because you don't i don't get the sense he's going to be there very long with a record (laughs) of three and 20 or whatever he was um so this was just i mean it's it's bad and i would say it's worse than the toledo loss it's mm, it's probably on a par with the Louisiana Monroe loss. I think Monroe was a better team than San Jose State, but I wouldn't say they were markedly better. Um, I, mean, no, I, I, I put it above that one because we were actually – that one was worse because we were up 31-7. And we were ranked number eight. That one hurt yeah, worse. That one hurt worse. <laughs> we certainly weren't number eight. I mean, no. that loss, it probably had more of an impact at the time because we were ranked and – but at the end of that year, you kind of realized, eh, that probably should have happened. <laughs> I mean, you know, Wilson got hurt. John L. Smith was – and the whole staff was collecting – they were no, – literally, they were collecting paycheck. That staff was. Um, so, uh, but, yeah, it's up there. I mean, it's top five. I can't speak to anything before, like, you know. Of course, you talk about, like, before we were around, Arkansas was a powerhouse in the 60s. We weren't there, so we didn't have any losses like that. And when we were really young, we didn't have any losses like that. I mean, maybe the brawls last year when we lost nine to six to Tulsa. Um, but, you know, Tulsa was always competitive in those games. And so that probably wasn't truly – it was kind of surprising, but it wasn't like losing to Monroe or the Citadel or San Jose State. So it's got to be in the top five uh, worst losses as far as just – you know, coming out losing to a team you shouldn't. Um, yeah, I throw some of those Memphis State losses from the early nineties in there. But those teams were as good as we were. That's why I don't I don't I mean that's that yeah, was a shame. We weren't but we just weren't very good. And those teams were certainly better than a San Jose State team. They were bad. They're up to that six nothing loss to Memphis was that's gotta be up there. <laughs> that was a bad um, one. The, the one, the one where we win for two. Yeah, <laughs> we went for two accidentally. Oh, that, no, was was that was, that was SMU and Shreveport. Yeah, <laughs> right. that game. I was at that game. Um, I was at the Memphis game at the Liberty Bowl where we went for two and didn't get it and lost like 17 to 16 instead of <laughs> kicking the extra point to tie. I was at that game. Which one was the one where Memphis was? Was it Memphis that blocked like four kicks? Three yeah, kicks. They blocked three. They blocked. They blocked three punts. It was twenty-two to six. I think twenty-two to six was the final. That one. Um, yeah, we had some really, really great. That was, we lost. Those were the three in a row we lost in Memphis in the mid nineties. Yeah. Um, that was so, bad, but you're right. Those those Memphis teams were were just as good as we were. They weren't. They weren't great, but they weren't awful. But we were decidedly below average those years. Now we're just not, we're not below average. We're just, we're quite pitiful now. Um, so, yeah, it was a good time. But that, but I that's, was, the, but don't you, but don't, don't you think that the, that the, the thing that re, it, I said this online, you know, on social media earlier this week is that these next five games when we get out talented, we're going to go to Dallas this weekend and they're going to have much better athletes at every position, you know. 
maybe we had catch a break at maybe at Kentucky. I don't know. Doubtful. Alabama, Auburn. I mean, it, the, the next five weeks we are going to get out talented at every position. I think Arkansas fans, as long as we compete and there's progress, I think we'll be patient with Morris. If, if after this loss, which I think is probably more likely than not, that our team is so damaged that they that they go in the tank, where where does that leave us in mid mid November? Yeah, nowhere. I mean, it the same place we were last year when we had the same scenario, except you know if you equivalent this loss with North Texas, which I don't because North Texas was better than San Jose State, but you you sit there and that's when you're going to have those November teams when you really are completely out of contention. And remember what happened last year? We went down to Starkville and lost what fifty-two to nothing, and then we went to Columbia six, and lost. Lost thirty-four to nothing, or thirty-three to nothing, whatever it was. Just didn't want to be there. Put up Here, no fight whatsoever. Here, I'm going to answer my own question. We've seen progress coming from nothing, both with Petrino, and we actually eventually saw it with Bielema. And what you saw is the teams continued to fight, and then they continued to play some competitive games and and won one here or there. If what I am very scared happening in what Patrick just said is what I think is more likely than not going to happen, can we really say that we've made improvements from year one to year two under Chad Morris? And if not, what does that bode for him? What does that bode for our program? What, where does that leave us? I'm going to kind of take a shot at that, Johnny. And I think the difference maybe is recruiting rankings, which I hate to hang my hat on that, but – you know, you there was pretty objectively a really, really good recruiting class, and we're seeing it on the field. Knox, Knox is going to be a superstar. He's a good receiver. Traylon Burks is good. Um, so we've got some guys that are on campus that are the result of Morris recruiting well. And so I guess if you're looking for the bright spot slash trying to figure out how this is going to be different, I think it's the fact that, I believe Morris can recruit. Now, whether that'll matter at the end of the time, end of the day and putting the product on the field, I don't know. But I think if you're going to hang your hat on something, it's got to be, man, that was a good recruiting class. And those guys, at least some of them, are showing up on the field and doing a good job. So let's string two or three of those together, and then we'll see where we are. Tom or Jimmy Tom, G, you got any Tom and, comment? Yeah, Jimmy G, Tom? Uh, Tom, you're killing me. I do, so I'm just going to let Tom talk about that. Um, well, I, I think, yeah, we had a good recruiting class. Um, the, the problem is, you know, the, these coaches uh, don't get to sell – um, future success after year one, unless you start seeing some success, I don't think. And I think you can't. True. I think that's you, true. You, you can't just, you can't just, you know, be terrible for maybe, maybe year two you get away with it. I'm not sure, but that's going to be the end of the road. I mean, you're and next year our schedule is a lot harder. 
And so we could actually be better next year and still wind up two and ten. And two and ten seems like, you know, it's 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 the likely or at least uh, not unlikely result of the season. And I don't think anybody's going to be. Able, I don't think any coach um, is going to be able to sell a recruit on the fact that oh, we're, we're getting better. We we won three games this year and only two last. There has to be more than that, and uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't think the team. I think the team has some um, some talented pieces. I, I don't think this team's any better than it was last year. Uh, in fact, I think you could say it's worse uh, right now. They do have, you know, they have a few more answers and more obviously talented people. But as a team, I mean, are they better? I don't. I don't think so. Well, I, I think the answer to that is: Are you getting good circle or bad circle? Because <laughs> I'm telling you, we've seen bad circle, and yeah, it it. I hate to call out players. Well, no, I don't. It's just Razor Pod. But I mean, <laughs> five five picks, and they were all bad throws. To my recollection, I mean, I don't remember any one of those interceptions being a tipped ball that hit the receiver's hands and then it just went up in the air and the D-back. No, they were all airmailed, crazy adrenaline. I'm going to throw it 900 miles an hour because I can with zero touch. And that's not even counting the balls that he missed. Cheyenne O'Grady in the end zone would be a perfect example. Wide open. Well, he he had one that I'll give him. Which I think one of our linemen got stubbed into his side right as he was throwing, and he got knocked off balance. And now that throw may have been bad anyway, but that's the only one I can think of that may not be completely his fault. Um, but the other, like he was, you know, he admitted it. He was thrown into double and triple coverage, and um, just I, I don't get how is that possible? All right, it's San Jose State. <laughs> If you're throwing into double and triple coverage, somebody's got to be wide open somewhere. I mean, I don't, I didn't get the, and certainly I didn't care that Hicks wasn't put in after the third or fourth interception because I don't need to see Hicks anymore. Um, If they wanted to put in John Stephen Jones or John Paul Jones or uh, (laughs) Davy Jones or Davy Jones or Mike Jones or uh, any of the Jones boys, I don't care. Um, But, uh, you know, more troubling to me is the because, you know, you're going to get that. I mean, well, not five picks, but you get Starkville is going to you try to make force things and. You're going to have to get put up with – if you're going to have him there all year, you're going to put up with, you know, multiple turnover games. Um, but the defense, what – you can't I, – I don't care that um, about how we're so low on talent. You know, Tulsa, who I'm sure we're more talented than. we. I, I was set there last year when we drubbed them in the most boring game I've ever been to at Razorback Stadium. And their defense didn't have a huge problem with San Jose State. They didn't give up 500 yards. We did. And I think, and Tom talked about it, how San Jose State kept missing plays. They could have, they didn't score until the end of the second half, but we weren't really stopping them. They were just kind of muddling around, making bad plays. And I, I, I never got comfortable with our defense on the field at any point. And 
I, it's troubling, and Davis says now he may go back up in the press box. I, who cares? Who cares? I mean, Chavis, I'm, look, I'm biased. I never liked him, even when he is at Tennessee. I didn't think he was very good. And um, if you look at his defenses at Tennessee and, and at A&M, I mean, they were littered with first-round draft picks and all pros and guys that made multiple Pro Bowls. And NFL talent everywhere, and they still gave up yards in the, by the boatload. I mean, those teams with Miles Garrett and uh, some really top-notch linebackers and DBs that are in the NFL now, they had had miracle fourth-quarter comebacks to beat our Burt Beal and the teams. And so and I never once felt scared about their defense. We moved the ball pretty much however we wanted to move the ball. And, so, and now he has no talent. Supposedly, um, but way less talent than first round NFL draft picks, and he's got in facing offenses that he doesn't know how to stop, um, like Mike Stoops did at OU. You know the, these spread offenses, and I know they're tough to stop. I mean, they're but I mean we didn't do anything against San Jose State that I thought was positive. How much pressure did we put on their quarterback? None. I don't remember seeing any. I think what Jamario Bell got a sack. And other than that, I think I read we maybe had three or four pressures the whole night. What? I just – I don't know. I don't – I know we're lacking talent. But we're not lacking that much talent that where we can't physically compete with San Jose State. And They, they dominated the line of scrimmage on the uh, – on both sides, really. Both sides. It was obvious on the defensive side. They, well, well, I mean, you, you asked why Starkle had five picks. We couldn't run the football. We, we, we just we, – we, you boy, couldn't get any push against that stout uh, San Jose State front. Just no push at all. I mean, that's why we threw it 50 times. And that and we were down. But, I mean, we couldn't run. We could not run the football against San Jose State. And, you know, you, you know where I'm going next. If you think we can't run the ball against that team or Portland State very well, what do you think is going to happen against A&M? What do you think is going to happen against Alabama? It's gonna. Someone's gonna. I mean, it's just. I mean, you know where this is. We all know. We all know where this is going. We all know where this is going. And I, I, I wish I was wrong, and I wish I didn't feel this way. We are staring three and nine, two and ten, right in the right in the face. And I don't think there's a damn thing that that Morris has shown me that he can he can pull this around, turn this around. Johnny, I don't think if you brought Newt Rockney and Vince Lombardi as a defensive coordinator that there's anything anybody could do about two, three and nine or two and ten. Uh, well, those guys do you? To stop the spread. They never had to face the spread. Davis, <laughs> though, he doesn't know how to stop the spread either. I'm with Jimmy G. I don't think our defense is that talent depleted where we can't stop San Jose State. I don't see that. I mean. I, you know, maybe we, we we do have a few injuries, but I'm I agree with Jimmy G. We're not. This shouldn't. This, I'm not saying this should be a lights out defense. I'm not even saying this should be a defense on par with what Burt had in 2014. That really was solid at the end of the season. It doesn't even have to be one of Petrino's defenses that were sixth, seventh in the SEC. There's enough talent where this team can can handle and not give up 500 yards to San Jose State. Am I wrong on that? Well, but I think you – I agree with you. But, I mean, do you think it's really – if you imported the best defensive coordinator in the world, would it be any better? I mean – Against San Jose better? State? Yes. Yes. I think well, I know, yeah. no, no. I'm talking about 
better in terms of wins and losses for this year. Yes. We won Are we going to win any more games? We would have won Saturday night. If we had the best defensive coordinator in the world, yes. We If we'd had Brent Venables, say that's who you wanted. And Brent Venables was on our sideline Saturday night, we would have beaten San Jose State. Now, now what you're talking about, I think, is more like Alabama and LSU. No. Yeah. Yeah. And my we point beat, is – We didn't beat those teams when we had Petrino here. That year we were number two or three in the, number three in the nation. So, I mean, I don't – that's not really a fair barometer for what – but we're not going mean, to – Well, I mean, lower lower the sights a little bit. It, do we beat Auburn? Do we beat Mississippi State? Do we beat, you know, Kentucky? I think if we, think if we had really good coaching, uh, um, we we would have a chance. We would win all our non-conference easily. They would, these wouldn't be thrillers. We wouldn't beat Portland State by seven points at home. A, a bad – FCS team, <clears throat> they would be they would be routes, and we would have had a legitimate chance to beat Ole Miss, who's not any good, and probably Kentucky, who's injured and now they're probably feeling low. And um, and I've seen and State play Mississippi three times. State. That's a winnable game for anybody with a pulse. I'm just that's yeah. I mean, I, I, you know that and, and and everything y'all are saying. I, I know I'm being super vague, but it's. there's something missing from this staff. It's, and I don't know, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the fact that, that that Morris is just too much of a player's coach and doesn't demand. I don't know. It's, but there's something still between the ears with this team. And I'm not, to Patrick's point, I'm not saying that that the difference between, you know, two and winning 10 games, but from, I'm not, I'm more, I'm more in line with Logan saying, the difference between you know winning two or three and maybe winning six and getting to a bowl is right between these guys' ears and with scheme and and that's what I'm saying. There's something missing with this staff. I, I, I've said it for two years. There's no reason this team shouldn't won six games this year, and that made the but we should have won all four non-conference games, and like Logan said, probably fairly easily. And then uh, there's some SEC teams we're playing that aren't that good this year. So there's no reason for a school, and I don't follow recruiting that much, but I do know that our composite recruiting rankings for the last five years is the top 25. So uh, either the recruiting rankings are all wrong, or we can't evaluate talent, or we can't develop talent. So if we have a composite um, top 25 recruiting classes over the last five years, we're not, we shouldn't be talent poor. We should have enough talent to still be Arkansas and win six or seven games. So, and we're not. We're bottoming out. That's yeah. that's hard. That's hard to argue with. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, if you're sitting there and you last five years, no matter who's the coach, we have a composite ranking of top twenty-five. Yeah, those, those yeah those rankings are so terrible. Guess who's number one every year? Alabama, Auburn, or Alabama, Clemson. Clemson, OU. I mean, it, it pretty much predicts. The, the, the BCS. I mean, so th- there is a lot of validity to it. And so if, if with that stat, I mean, it's, you're not getting what you need out of your, out of your stat or something. Well, again, I go back to being vague. There's something wrong. There's some, there is a disconnect. There is a disconnect. And I, it's, and I think Jimmy G put his finger on it. There's, we're not, we're not getting the production of what we do have. 
Now, listen, a top twenty-five class in the SEC that may be, that may that may make you a seven-win season. Not, well, not yeah, to say it's probably tenth or eleventh in the league. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, that, bad. it's, it's yeah. far down the league. But as far as like talent versus San Jose State, it's not even ballpark. Yeah, but I mean, but this, but but to your point, I mean, with, with top twenty-five level talent, that, that should be a, that should be a bowl game, a bowl team. That should be a bowl team. You know, and, maybe. And it might be top thirty now. I'm not sure which class it finished off with, but it may be. But it's still, it's still not like we're not fiftieth or sixtieth. I mean, it's. It's somewhere in the top thirty, top twenty-five. Um, I'd be shocked if it was Tom much. If it was much lower than twenty-five. Tom, Tom follows recruiting a little bit. <laughs> I know. I think you're right. I, I think. Um, I mean, I, I can't. I can't really remember um, all of them. But we had a top. You know, almost. We had a top twenty class last year with Morris. And you know, Bielema's Bielema before he kind of went off the reservation was, you know, in the in in between twenty and thirty, I think. And so I, it makes sense to me that if you put the last five together, you're probably in the top twenty-five to thirty range. And, yeah, and you know, the reality of that is, I, I, I've always thought, and I do follow it a little bit, that um, there there's a there seems to me like if you're if you're one of the top five, you've got a great recruiting class. But you know you could probably be twelve or seven, and the differences aren't going to be significant. That, I mean, I, this the twelve may be just as good as seven, and and the same way if you're twenty or thirty, you've still got some pretty pretty talented players. And if a few things pan out your way, you may actually have a better better talent than the twenty. I mean, it's not a it's not so exact. Um, so, point being, if you're if you're in the twenties or even thirty, and you're playing a team like San Jose State that probably is in the recruiting rankings in the nineties or a hundred, it shouldn't it should be a, a clear and obvious difference in talent across the board. Yeah. Well, and what you said earlier is true. Like we got dominated in the trenches. That's the most damning thing. Yeah. The trenches. That's where we should have our. I mean, I mean, skill players. Are, but usually, that's where you can tell the most difference between great football. I mean, between two football teams, because we usually is who's dominating the line of scrimmage. Yep. And <laughs> we certainly weren't, and especially after Clary needs to shut up. I'm talking about throwing players under the bus. That dude talking about we're going to dominate and blow them off the ball, and there he is getting pushed back all night long. I mean, yeah. what did Larry and Jimmy G and, and Jimmy G to Jimmy G's point about Starkle throwing in the double and triple coverage is because San Jose State rushed three and whipped our line. <laughs> they were, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. They were dropping eight in coverage on most of that game and getting to and getting to Starkle. I mean, it's, it's like I mean our line. <laughs> You know, apparently some of some of the fans got on got on Clary's family members this week. That's not right. But no. you know, but our guys. Even if have you did got, go to stop. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. You're right, Johnny. It's not right to get on their family. It's not. No, it's not. And and but at the same time, our guys have got to shut up. I mean, who? I mean, though, though our our guys were on roller skates that whole game. Just, I mean, getting. I mean, dominated by. There was one guy that looked like. You know, big Samoan guy who just came came straight from the beach and was just killing people. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm going to just say this, and then we got to move to the pick session because we've been going almost 40 minutes with this. Who do we think we are with the talking and the club dub and the, <laughs> you know, club the. Dub. I love club dub. Club dub was awesome. I wish it hadn't closed down so early. I, really <laughs> I love hey, club when, dub. When we, uh, when we have our annual Razor Pod get together here in a couple weeks uh, at the. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Oakland Sportsbook. Just wait. I'm ordering a Club Dub uh, banner. Well, we're gonna hang I it think, above our table. I think Club Dub T-shirts and uh, oh, <laughs> Club yeah. Dub. It's got to be Club Dub. And we have an official drink with Club Dub. I don't know. If oh, it involves uh, some kind of vodka because you know how much I love vodka. Yeah, it's a can. Of, it's, a, it's a can of Schlitz and a shot of Southern Comfort. <laughs> Bottle service at Club Dub, man. Oh. Here comes the Heaven Hill. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jimmy G. Uh, we'll turn it over to you for the picks. So okay. Take it away. Uh, and I'm assuming we'll have a chance to, for our uh, riveting Texas A&M preview when you, uh, we get our picks <laughs> for that game. Um, so last week, a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, uh, Tom went two and four. Oh. Uh, and now Tom, Tom is below 500 for the season at 11 and 13. <laughs> Uh, Mendoza. Probably, well, the Michigan pick certainly was not a good one for you. Um, that's done. Uh, it's a bitter, it's a tough, tough, tough one to swallow there. Um, and then, of course, oh, so close. You were close, actually, on the sleeper. Illinois, uh, as they want to do, though, blew their uh, blew a football game. So blew, blew a giant lead. Yeah. Um, so uh, Johnny was three and three, and he is. Uh, uh, 13 and 11 on the year. Just can't so, get it going this year. Well, you know, there's plenty of time and nobody's running away with anything. <laughs> uh, so, uh, the, um, and close on the sleeper pick, Kansas lost a tough one to West Virginia. Uh, so that was a, a hard pill. Jeff Longo was tweeting about uh, the Kansas women's soccer team the next day. So he's still in, uh, is still in top form. Uh, Patrick, Another four and two week, uh, fifteen and nine. Uh, his sleeper pick did hit Colorado with uh, the coach wearing shorts in the desert. Uh, head coach had shorts on, and they took down Herm Edwards. Uh, let's see, and then I again for the fourth consecutive week, I went four and two, and so I'm sixteen and eight on the year. One clear of Patrick Williams. Uh, my sleeper pick, though, was Tennessee, and that was an utter disaster. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, yeah, y'all laugh, but I was the only one that picked Auburn to win at Kyle Field. So. Yeah. catch up. They look, they look good, too. They so, did look good. Yeah, that D-line looks scary. I hope Ty Clary is watching some 12. He doesn't <laughs> think some great about Auburn's D-line right now. Uh, hey, hey, we're gonna have Colton Jackson back by that game. It's gonna be oh, oh well, thank God, thank God. <laughs> and that'll be our return to Fable. We don't play in Fable until uh, we play Auburn on October the nineteenth. So uh, a lot of neutral side and road games between now and then, um, and a week off. Mercifully, after this week, after this week, we get a week off. All right, um, so let's dive into these. Uh, National games, kind of a light slate, but uh, some interesting matchups. Um, our only SEC matchup, looks like, well, other than the Razorbacks, um, is Mississippi State at Auburn. Um, 
we alluded, I think Johnny and Tom both mentioned Mississippi State uh, is not looking that good this year and uh, kind of struggling in Joe Moorhead's second season. And then Auburn, of course, is uh, not a lot of preseason expectations. And now, uh, in typical Auburn fashion, has uh, got two of the most impressive wins of the year, neutral side win against Oregon, who may be the Pac-12's best team, and then uh, really a dominating win at A&M, scored really closer than the game was. So, uh, but returning home, and maybe this is where Auburn maybe uh, starts hearing about how good they are and, and slips up a bit. But we'll see. Patrick Williams. Uh, yeah, you know, it kind of did the setup, which is the way I was leaning there. But I got to think Nix is going to come back to earth at some point, but it's probably going to be on the road. So I'm going to go ahead and roll with the Tigers another week here. Um, again, Mississippi State, not the team that I really want to hang my hat on to pull the upset in Jordan Hare. But I, I do think Auburn's going to come back to earth at some point, um, just not this week. Auburn, oh, I don't know. They're kind of winning. They're not putting up a, just a scrajillion point. So 28 to 14, Auburn. Yeah, that, this is not a good matchup for Mississippi State. I do think Auburn will be a little bit – they won't be quite as sharp as they were against uh, A&M, but, you know, Auburn's defense is really stout. So, even if their offense is flat, they're still going to – they'll still be fine. Uh, I don't think Mississippi State's offense uh, is much of a threat. So, uh, unless – and, you know, Nick's – I think even as a senior, because he's probably not going pro early – is going to be a game manager. You know, he, he's a good player, solid, but I don't think he's ever going to be the kind of guy that turns the ball over that much. So I think that's good for them this week. Um, I think Auburn kind of muddles through, but their defense uh, keeps state at bay, and Auburn wins. Oh, similar to Patrick Williams. I'll say maybe Auburn tacks on a late score to make it a little high. I'll play Auburn 31, Mississippi State 10. Johnny? I agree with a lot of that. Um especially the Baton Knicks, he's been very he, – he reminds me a lot of those Alabama quarterbacks from a couple of years ago, the McCarrens, those uh, Greg McElroy, those game managers that got them in the right play, got them in the right checks, wasn't ever asked to do a whole lot. That's that's kind of the way I see him being a, a – and he's been effective in that role so far. But the thing, the story about Auburn is just their offensive and defensive lines. Running the football, stopping the run uh, – Guys, that'll always work in college football. If you can run, if you can run the football and stop the run, a lot of times that's good enough. And um, I think that's a tough match. Going to be a tough matchup for Mississippi State. Um, they're a team that, that that does like to rely on the run, even though Fitzgerald's gone. Um, they're not what you'd say an explosive offense. Kind of, I think, plays into Auburn's hands. Uh, kind of a play of rock and sock them, big man on big man kind of game. Gotta like the Tigers at home. Uh, I think they're going to be fired up. Going to be a big, uh, going to be a great crowd. I'm sure. Uh, I, I just think Auburn's too much for Mississippi State right now. I'll take uh, Auburn 34, um, Mississippi State 17. Tom, uh, I'm going to go with Auburn. Just it's a bad matchup for Mississippi State. Uh, I do, I do agree with those uh, who have said that I, I don't think they're going to be sharp. In fact, I think it's going to be pretty close uh, at halftime. Uh, but they don't have uh, the weapons over at Mississippi State to to score enough to beat Auburn. 
Um, but I but I think it'll be pretty close. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, Auburn winning twenty one to thirteen. Okay. Um, sorry, a Yankees hitter just fouled the ball off his face. Ooh. No, he's standing, but he, he tried to shake it off. And I was like, I thought that went off his face. And then they all ran out there, and he's like doing the – I don't know. That was weird. But anyway, uh, all right. So, it's a little baseball for our listeners. Um, all right, uh, game day, uh, visiting Nebraska. Uh, thank God they escaped against Illinois. Your game day might have to get something interesting this week. Um, the Hot State's in town, uh, fresh off their 76-5 win over uh, the uh, hapless Miami Redhawks. Uh, so, um, and you know, every year KJ Hill, a better and better decision, not stay in state and go, go up to the horseshoe and play football. So, uh, <laughs> uh, Ohio State in Nebraska, um, I'll start, uh, no chance Nebraska wins this game. Uh, sorry, born red, um, Ohio State. I think the only question here is fields, uh, first, uh, road game. Uh, it's going to be night, ABC. I think Fowler and Herbie will be there. Uh, so, crowd will be into it. But I think maybe after a quarter, the Ohio State will get over all that stuff and <coughs> Fields will go over that. And Ohio State will just overwhelm Nebraska. Uh, I'll say Ohio State 45, Nebraska 17. Tom? Uh, yeah, I – Justin Fields has been looking very good for Ohio State. He may have a little bit of jitters, I guess, on the first road start and in that environment. And one thing about Nebraska, you know, it's always going to be a great environment there, especially when Ohio State comes into town for a night game. But there's there's just uh, too much uh, talent on the Ohio State side of the ball, and, and I think they win and pull away. Uh, um, and it's never really that close. Um, uh, 42 to uh, oh, 20, Ohio State. Uh, Johnny? Hard to go against the Buckeyes here, even on the road. Um, Nebraska kind of been living fairly right. You know, South Alabama gave him some trouble in the first game. You know, you can kind of give them a little bit of a pass there, getting off the rust. But then losing to Colorado, then having to pull one out last week. They've been playing some close games, struggling at times. And Ohio State's just got a ton of athletes, got a ton of experience, got a ton of weapons. Um, I think it's going to be a heavy lift. I do think that you guys are on to something. The first quarter, Nebraska's going to have a lot of emotion. And I think once that kind of subsides after the second TV timeout, Ohio State will settle in, make a couple big plays, and, and really pull away in the second half. Uh, I've got Ohio State 49-24. All right, Patrick. Yeah, I, I can't go against anything anybody said. I mean, Nebraska's not winning this game. They haven't shown me anything this year that shows they're ready to compete with Ohio State. Um, Ohio State's going to get whatever they want, 48-17. Um, to 17. Uh, uh, and oddly, when I mentioned the team, one of the teams that's involved, uh, this game's kind of sneaking under the radar, but it's two uh, top 20 teams. Um, that Virginia visiting Notre Dame, and uh, I think Virginia's up to 18th in the polls. Uh, kind of struggled after their win over Florida State with Old Dominion, and you know, ODU's the 
you know, knocked off Virginia Tech last year and then tried to throw a scare into Virginia last week. But they did come back in the second half and pulled out. Um, and they're the favorites in the uh, Coastal, <laughs> for whatever that's worth. Um, and then Notre Dame, uh, we'll see how they bounce back after uh, really a great effort in uh, Athens on Saturday night. It's just a bonkers atmosphere. Uh, first time Notre Dame's ever visited uh, Georgia's campus. Uh, great crowd, wild atmosphere. I got pretty much it was on the same time as our game. Pretty much the complete exact opposite uh, atmosphere and aesthetic for a college football game. Um, and it's like, I, yeah, I had it on the other TV with the sound off, and I was just sitting there shaking my head in the third quarter. It's like, God, why do I do this every week? Why am I sitting here watching Arkansas football? Meanwhile, it was great. Like just two weeks ago, when Texas played LSU at the same time we did. Um, like, why am I sitting here doing this? But anyway, uh, really good game. Notre Dame had a chance even at the end. They had the ball down six uh, in Georgia territory, but Georgia defense uh, stepped up. And so we'll see. And I think even Brian Kelly said, you know, he knew where his team stood against Georgia. He'd seen that, but he'll find out where this team really is for the season by what they do this week, how they bounce back. And I really, not the biggest Brian Kelly fan, but I thought there was some truth to that. So Virginia at Notre Dame. Uh, Tom? Uh, I, I'm going to take Notre Dame. Um, you know, maybe the, uh, the maybe the performance of the week, frankly, going down and playing as well as they did against the Georgia team who was playing just spectacular football. And in that environment, and to go down there and play as composed as they did, and almost, almost win that game, and and they were up uh, late in the second uh, half, and um, it was or not, I'm sorry, in the second quarter, and um, in fact, did they take the lead to half, or did Georgia? Yeah, thirteen ten. Was it thirteen <clears> ten? In any of it was the performance of the week, probably going down there and playing as well as they did against Georgia. And, uh, and you don't, that's just not a fluke. Uh, it is going to be tough to bounce back. I'm sure Virginia uh, was looking ahead a little bit against uh, Old Dominion, and they're a pretty good football team this year. I just don't think they're ready uh, to compete with a team that. Uh, that has still has a whole lot to play for. And Notre Dame right now has to be thinking that when it comes down to playoff time, the performance they put on, if, if Georgia's as expected and they're sitting at the champions of the East with maybe one loss um, and uh, maybe even in the playoff themselves, that, that Georgia loss at Georgia, as close as it was, is going to do nothing but help them. So, um, I, you know, I, uh, I think Book and the tight ends and uh, solid defense, they get it done against Virginia, 24-10. Uh, to 10. Patrick? Yeah, I, I don't disagree with any of that. I don't think Virginia's ready for this moment. Um, you know, Notre Dame could come in flat. That's a tough back-to-back couple of games there. Virginia is not bad. I just think Notre Dame is going to do enough to get this done. 21-14, Notre Dame. Yeah, 
you know, Notre Dame typically when they lose games they're not supposed to, it's usually at home. Um, unless they're playing, you know, their record against top five teams is atrocious over the last twenty years. But I mean but you know, most of those were blowouts games they were overmatched and that certainly wasn't the case Saturday night. They acquitted themselves quite well. Um but I I think they're gonna struggle Saturday. You know, Virginia you know, got that Florida State win even though it's obviously not vintage Florida State, but that was a big win for them. They kind of clogged through against the Old Dominion and probably celebrating the Florida State win with their own version of Club Dove while also looking ahead to Notre Dame. Um, I, I don't think – I can't pull the trigger on Virginia, but I think Notre Dame is going to have to pull this out like by the skin of their teeth. And uh, I'll go Notre Dame 23 – Virginia 21, maybe a late field goal, gets it done for the Irish. Johnny? Yeah, I, I agree with Jimmy G. I, I think that uh, Virginia, the Bronco Mendenhall, has really put his stamp on this team. They've got a great defense. Um, they really kind of struggle to score, struggle to move the ball. So I think their best bet is to try to ugly this game up, shorten the game, control the clock. Uh, and I think they'll have some success with that. Um I do expect Notre Dame to bounce back, but maybe it might take a half. Um, and it allows Virginia to kind of ugly the game up, shorten the game, kind of make it a, a slugfest. I'm going to go with Notre Dame, but I think Virginia's punching in this, in this game right to the fourth quarter. I agree with everything that's been said about Notre Dame having a lot to play for. You know, if, if, if Virginia can pull this game out, you know, they're sitting – in a really good position in the, uh, in the coastal, it doesn't matter. Um, but so I'm going to take Notre Dame, but I think this is a slug fest right down at the very end. Uh, and Virginia is a live dog here. I don't even know what the spread is, but uh, I'll take the, the Irish final score 21, 17. All right. And just a way look ahead. I'm sure Patrick's going to lose his mind. I'm talking about this so early, but if, you know, Georgia is undefeated and Alabama's undefeated going to the SEC championship game. Say Georgia wins thirty one to seventeen or thirty one to ten in the Georgia or not Georgia Dome, but in the Mercedes Benz Stadium. And then the Irish end up running the table from here out and they're eleven and one and it's them and Alabama. And you really they're like, Hey, we played in Athens and we we had the ball with a chance to win in Georgia territory at the end. While Alabama lost by you know, two or three touchdowns, so I mean they're going to have an argument if that's what the scenario is. So uh, yeah, but a loss to Virginia would <laughs> certainly in that. Um, okay, uh, well I, the big the last game usually is reserved for the biggest. I really couldn't find one, but uh, it was almost the UVA Notre Dame. But I went with USC at Washington. Um, the Huskies. Uh, and I did make note that, uh, and I know our listeners remembered Patrick Williams, if the season tiebreaker that comes down to Washington BYU, and I agreed with that wholeheartedly, and uh, and I got Washington. And yeah. I, yeah. Patrick, did you recall the score of that game? It was like 45 to 10. I think it was 55 to, it was 55 to something, like 19. <laughs> FNG made a point of saying that I needed to beat you Two up, can't just finish even for, for the so year. Yeah. FNG so lost, lost no, no time Monday morning letting me know about that. Well, Patrick, the reason I was laughing about it on our show last week is you were so confident in BYU. And I was like, man, that's a really bad pick. It's like, I'll be glad to 
Cause, uh, <laughs> not, not confident enough to do it. Well, I mean, other than our, our chicken bed at the end. But <laughs> I think that was more because y'all laughed at my sleeper, which ended up paying off. <laughs> um, yeah. No, no, I was laughing at Logan, Illinois. Not yours. <laughs> yeah, because then we said, there's so many other good ones on the board. Why didn't you pick one of those? And you're like, what? Washington. <laughs> well, you well, said I could go with BYU. And I was like, no. Well, I did. I thought Washington was going to crush them. I said that on the show before it happened. And they did yep. crush them. So, uh, but no, I was Well done, wrong. Jimmy I G. Tennessee. I picked Tennessee, so let's not get – you know, I'm not going to brag too much. <laughs> so, um, so in the season standings, just everybody needs to understand, Jimmy G is uh, well clear with a two two game lead. <laughs> effectively, it's like when the but, baseball teams have played the different number of games. You got a, you're a game and a half up. Right, game and a half up. It's not like Rick Schaefer gets breaking down the Razorbacks SEC baseball standings because there's nothing. No other sport will be a game and a half up in the SEC. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, USC of Washington, um, when I get to Patrick, we'll see if he's changed his tune on the Huskies a little bit. Uh, USC with an uh, impressive win over Utah last Friday night. Um, that was their third – they're down to their third-string quarterback because Slovis got injured on the second play of the game. And uh, uh, our old friend Matt Fink came in the game, um, who – and ironically, uh, related to Logan Sleeper, uh, in the spring, Fink was reportedly uh, transferring to Illinois. But huh. – uh, he didn't. He stuck it out in a big game. And they, uh, Utah, uh, who was, you know, favored to win that game in the Coliseum, just went down. So another Pac 12 team uh, is probably eliminated from playoff contention. So uh, let's see. I'll start. Um, I, I like the Huskies. Uh, I think USC is a really good team. I think these may be, talent-wise, the two best teams, along with Oregon, uh, just for a pure talent standpoint, uh, not overall team. I think Utah is up there. Uh, can still be going to have a lot to say about this uh, before it's over in Pac-12. But I think Washington gets it done. It's hard for me to envision them losing two home games, especially by the end of September against, uh, against Pac-12 teams. They already had that loss, that weird loss to Cal. So I think Washington gets it done. I think they, their defense, uh, whether it's Fink or Slovis um, that plays, I think their defense is too much. And Easton seems to be settling in now uh, and running the Peterson system. So I think Washington uh, gets it done like 34 to 21. Uh, Johnny. I agree with that. Um, boy, USC just can't keep a quarterback upright. Uh, although they've had good play out of all their out of all their quarterbacks and their offensive lines protected well, big lift going up to uh, up to the, the Puget Sound area. I, I've got to go with Washington this game. Um, you know, I was. It's kind of weird, you know, especially after a guy like was it Sonny Dykes he was at Cal. Um, yeah, how he, yeah. Well, he was at Cal. But he they, was. Look at look at the change that they made culture wise at, at Cal. Their defense is really really good. Um, you know, and, and they, 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 they nipped uh, Washington. They, 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 they beat them. But I, I think Cal's better than, than, than maybe we thought or we knew they were earlier in the season. Um, I, I like Washington to hang on at home. I think Easton has a good game. Uh, and I think the line play that's, that uh, uh, USC has been surprisingly a little bit good at, even though they've, they've had some interest at quarterback. I think Washington kind of takes advantage, maybe get some turnovers. Get some pressure. Uh, they hang on at home. Final score: thirty-one twenty. 
Patrick? Uh, I'm going to, you know, have it. We don't see much difference between the pod crew this week. I'm going to go, uh, BYU, I'm going to go with BYU. Not BYU. USC, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> I'm a week off. I'm, I'm so hung up on that game. Uh, I'm going with USC. I'm going to go with the Trojans to get up, go up there and get it done. I know they got quarterback issues. This is more of a game, Patrick Williams TM game theory pick than it is anything, but. I'm going to try and sneak in a little double up to catch up here. I'm going with the Trojans to win 35-33. Man, if we, if we were a national show, like the you know game day crew or something, the Washington fans would just be irate at Patrick oh. Williams. And they would swear that Patrick Williams has something against their ball club. So, uh, <laughs> uh, we might have to see if we can get a little social media act. Maybe Rachel Pod will tweet at the UW Dog Husky One or whoever their big fan is. <laughs> Uh, let's see if we can get some beef going between Razor Pod and the Huskies. Uh, all right, uh, Tom Logan. Uh, taking, I'm taking the Huskies. Uh, I don't have any beef with uh, USC like uh, Williams does, and uh, or with uh, with uh, Washington like uh, Williams does. And I, I do. I've been impressed with USC this year. They seem to kind of be um, stabilizing that program a bit. Uh, and Washington, you know, when Peterson took that job, um, he, he, um, I almost expect he's, he's been great really, but I almost expect, it almost seems like he's been a little disappointed, even though they've been really good and he's had a great program there. Um, but, uh, I think he's, he's, I think he's just a good enough coach and agree that they're not going to lose two with Eason continuing to get better uh, and USC's quarterback problems. I, I think they get it done. It'll be a good game, uh, but I think they win it uh, 35 to 27. And Patrick, is the only way that we can see that game is if we have the ESPN game plan package? Is that our only way to see this 235? Because <laughs> <laughs> who would who would ever want this to be? Who would ever want to watch this on TV, right? I mean, well, I just, I'm just thinking back. The ESPN game plan was the way you could watch Pac-12 games. So, I mean, oh, that's right. Well, the game plan. Nine ninety-five per Saturday. Yeah. What a deal that was. Um. Uh, I, I think this game is at two thirty, and I'm uh, I'm positive it's probably on Fox. Would be my guess. Um, but uh, anyway, I don't want to steer our listeners wrong, so check your local listings before you uh, listen to us for TV advice or call Drive Time Sports. Um, <laughs> all right, here we go. A and M at Arkansas from Jerry World. Uh, should be electric atmosphere. Uh, half hog, half Aggie. No. <laughs> it's be 50-50 split down the middle. Tickets will be hard to come by, especially if you're three or four hundred dollars a pop. Um, so uh, I'll start. Um, I, you know, I, as much as you know, we kind of talked through the Arkansas loss, and you know, Sunday and Sunday or Saturday night and Sunday, I was like, Ugh, you know, the bottom had fallen in, and then you know, Monday, you still, I mean, it's still down about losing San Jose State. And we talked through all that stuff. I, I don't get the sense that. This is going to be as we still could go three and nine. I'm certainly not saying that, but or two and ten. But I don't think we're going to throw in the towel yet. Um, it's not going to look like November last year. Um, what worries me is uh, the most about this is A and M coming off that, you know, really dispiriting home loss to Auburn. They, 
weren't really ever in that game. I know they made a little rally at the end, but um, it was kind of weird. And, you know, Mon didn't look good against Clemson, which, you know, that's fair. It's Clemson, you know. that, But he didn't look that good against uh, Auburn either. Again, Auburn's got a really good defense, but Mon usually plays really well at home. And he didn't look all that great. Uh, I think they may be a little angry, but, you know, I think we're going to have a chip on our shoulder, whatever that means. Now, I think certainly if things go bad, we can early, we'll throw the, you know, we're, like I think Johnny mentioned it, we're probably fragile. And uh, But if we can get some breaks early, I think Hogs can stay in this game. Um, I, it, I'm not, I can't pull the trigger and say that we're going to win it. But I, I think Arkansas keeps it somewhat respectable. I don't think this is going to be a 52-6 to six type uh, game. But A&M, you know, it's clearly they're more talented than Arkansas. And I think at some point that, you know, this shakes out. And I, I'm going to say A&M, oh, 38, Hogs 20. Just barely cover the spread. Well, well not barely. It was like 23 and a half. Patrick? Yeah, uh, there's just – you know, not really any pathway forward for the Razorbacks this weekend. I mean, barring the Jumbotron falling on Kel- Kellen Mond and Jimbo Fisher and three-quarters of the Aggie team. That's about, <laughs> <laughs> it's about the only path I see for a Razorback win. Um, A&M, 38, Hog 6. Tom? Uh, I I think uh, I think we will cover, uh, which is not saying a lot because I think it is twenty two or three. Um, I, I think Boyd and Starkle are going to be really amped up and ready to play, and I think we're going to move the ball against them, um, just on on sheer um, the play the playmakers we have are going to make some plays, uh, but. You know, our defense is going to collapse because um, they're just not good enough to stop anybody. And unless Kellen Mond throws five picks like uh, his former quarterback competitor Starkle did, I don't think there's any way that we can ultimately win. But I, I do think we may put some points on the board, but it, it'll be in a losing effort. I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's A&M 38-24. to 24. All right. Um, now, this week we've got, a, a again, our weekly rotating sponsors for Johnny's Pick. Uh, this week, in an effort to maybe try to uh, get some free Club Dub T-shirts, we've got Hanes. Oh. Hanes is our uh, oh. fabric. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fabric soft, uh, no bacon collar, with a nice firm collar mm-hmm. um, <laughs> for you. Hat- Tagless. 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 Oh, the um, key. And also, mainly it's the T-shirts that are, the, that are our Haynes product that they want us to promote, but they also know that Tom likes to wear the white beaters, so those are also oh, the sponsorship. Very true. So, um, uh, the Haynes Fabric Soft, and uh, that's that's who I got this week for the sponsor. Um, if Patrick or Tom lined up anybody else, uh, they can feel free to let me know. Uh, uh, no, no, uh, uh, I was going to go with Club Dub itself as the uh, sponsor for Johnny Fayetteville's uh, Razorback pick, but uh, Haynes is a, is a good choice. We'll we'll save uh, Club Dub for 
a, a later sponsor. Thank Excellent. Excellent. Well, right, if, if, if you are uh, – sometimes when things go wrong, you've got to go get in the bunker. you got to have that bunker mentality. And when you're down in your bunker, nothing refreshes you like a hot cup of Sanka. <laughs> And not, and nothing and nothing really replenishes the soul and replenishes the gut with that sanka than a, a nice tin of Hormel Vienna sausages. Oh, what, what, yeah. what you, so good. If you're, if you're, so if you're packed up and loaded down and you're uh, in your bomb shelter in your bunker because of the you're in the fetal position, sucking your thumb and swigging your sanka because the Razorbacks lost to San Jose State, just fire back up and throw down some Vienna sausages. And drink that juice with that while you're at it. That's it. That's it. Really tops it off really well. Are those the reduced fat Vienna sausage? Oh no, you got to go straight no. fat. No, you got full yeah, fat. You, you got full flavor. Fl- you got to go full flavor. You got to go full flavor. Hey, and what a great tailgating combination too for oh. your next Razorback tailgate. Sanka and Vienna sausages. I mean, wow. You, uh, the co-eds love that. <laughs> head to the pit. Um, no, head to the. I, you know, I think you guys are onto something a little bit. And I do think that <clears throat> that the Razorbacks are going to come out with their best effort. Um, I think they were embarrassed, and I guess that's good still. But and I think we will probably we're going to come out really ready to play, and that's going to last about seven or eight minutes uh, until something horrible happens, and then we're going to fold it up. Um, we're going to give up a big play defensively. And that's going to be the game, and that'll be over. So, um, like I said earlier, we are fragile. We do have a lot of problems. I don't, I don't like what I'm seeing, and I think it's more of the same this week. It's hard for me to say this week's going to be much different. I have not seen anything that could give me that hope. Um, I think that we'll probably come out strong, but we'll give up a long run, long pass. I mean, we've given up a long run or long pass play on the opponent's first drive pretty much every game this year. Don't think much changes. Uh, I think some, I think we give up a big play, a big touchdown. Um, maybe it's not the first one. Maybe it's the second one where we decide to, that we've had enough, but we'll spit the bit. I don't know before the second quarter, maybe right after the second quarter begins. And I think, Ole, I think, <clears throat> I think Ole Miss just really puts it on us. Uh, I don't think it's going to be close and I don't think it's going to be pretty. And, um, that off week, I don't know if it comes at a good time or a bad time, but uh, it's coming, so I guess we should enjoy it because I think AM is going to beat us 56-12. to 12. Well, we get two off weeks, so wow. this isn't a good time to have one, and we'll have another off week later that maybe we'll be in a good time. So we get two this year. Uh, <laughs> all right, so – Patrick and Johnny don't think the Hogs can stay within the spread, and while Tom and I are the utmost optimists and Ooh, have the Hogs yep. staying within the spread, so well uh, within, yes, well within. Uh, all right, um, time for our sleeper picks. Um, again, Soda mattresses on board. Uh, a little synergy there. Uh, I don't believe I have a Soda. I was just checking. I, you know, I always like to keep my mattress flipped and turned and sheets cleaned and pressed and. Uh, I was looking at my tag this week, and it's not assertive. So assertive. G, I, I just do you have a bed? Yes. Nice queen size. The nice uh, got the headboard and everything. Um, Posturepedic. Yeah, oh yeah, I, it's not assertive though. I'd love to have a assertive mattress. Oh, assertive are wonderful. I'd love to try that out. Um, 
What's the, what are those mattresses that have like the 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 the, the, uh, the ads for the? It's like when you push the button and it's like one side of it. You can, if you and your wife have problems and like oh, memory foam. Memory yeah, the foam? memory foam. Right oh, man, that sounds good. Oh, it knows uh, exactly what foam. you're like. I mean, like you sleep differently. You need different like uh, mattress settings, so you can do it on each side. So uh, that's that'd be good too. Um, but uh, Patrick, I'm gonna let Patrick go first because he did win his sleeper pick uh, last week. Um, you know, the Colorado coach wore shorts um, on the sideline, a, a, a bold look. So maybe in that honor, Patrick could uh, wear shorts to work one day this week. Yeah, would no longer be employed if okay. that were to happen. <laughs> uh, More time uh, to vote so, raise your pod. If, yeah, yeah, I could actually solve the stream yard issues <laughs> <laughs> with all that extra time I would have with no job. Uh, figure out a way to actually get real sponsors for Razor Pod. And, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, it sounds like a perfect plan. <laughs> well, all right. I I have a, a sleeper and, and I kind of like it. Um, sort of made a little money here going with the uh, low, low sleepers, but we got a home dog on the board, guys. The Golden Goofers of Minnesota <laughs> going in oh, wow. as, as favorite nice. to our old favorite Perdont. Oh, Home dog oh, Perdont oh at Ross Aid Stadium in West Lafayette. And uh, don't think the Goofers are going to get it done. I think uh, Rondell Moore and Jeff Brom and the rest of the Perdont boys – Purdue Pete with the big hammer and rails, they're going to just stomp all over the Gophers. Uh, I literally wrote down Minnesota because I had no clue who was favored in that game. (laughs) I have Minnesota as a uh, one and a half point fave. So uh, if anybody sees anything different, you can call me on it. Purdue's fair game. Anytime anyone wants to pick Purdue, I'm fine with it. Yeah. uh, Purdue and Minnesota is complete smoke show. Almost should have lost to Georgia Southern at home. Uh, a lot of good teams lost to Georgia Southern at home. Don't don't get me wrong, Tennessee. But uh, <laughs> Georgia State, uh, yeah, not the, Georgia State. That was the Sorry. bad Georgia. Tennessee wishes yeah. they lost to Georgia Southern. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm picking Purdue in this game. We'll see how it goes. I don't have a great feel about it, but uh, Purdue forty, Minnesota, and PJ Fleck twenty eight. Uh, and you know, in the interest, of, uh, I've got to point out, and not that we all disagree, but still, Johnny told our uh, nationwide audience that the rock bite of the week was going to be uh, Northwestern Michigan State, and the over actually hit in that game. So, um, <laughs> so uh, in one of the no, biggest upsets this week, the over hit. No, 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 thanks to Northwestern. No, they had ten. They said, <laughs> well, thanks to Northwestern, Michigan State didn't quite cover it on their own. But yeah, that's true. Those ten Northwestern points did add up somehow. I think it was a late touchdown too that got it over the over. But still, that was a big upset. No one expected that to happen. Um, all right, Donnie, your Tom sleeper. Yeah, I got one. I, I'm going to go out west. I, I think that uh, the Fighting Chip Kellys may have righted the ship last week, coming from behind, knock off uh, Mike Leach and, and Wazoo. They go to Arizona this week. I don't know. They're seven and a half point favorites. Give me the uh, give me the Bruins. Uh, final score, I don't know, thirty five, thirty one. All right, Tom. 
Well, I'm tempted to go. Uh, I'm tempted to go back to our old friend San Jose State, who uh, are oh. on the road against Air Force, and you they do are it. Please twenty. They're twenty-four point underdogs. You've got to be kidding me. That's when they're at their best, Tom Logan. When they're on twenty-four point dogs, they've got Air Force right where they want them. Twenty-four. Wait, 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 wait. San Jose State, the team that came into our stadium and embarrassed us, is twenty-four point dogs to Air Force. Do you think San Jose State knows how to handle winning? No, they certainly don't. I'm positive they know. Twenty-four <laughs> point <laughs> underdogs on like the road. Yard dog Fisher DeBerry and the crew run all over. After them. beating the Hawks, Steve Dallas is going to just dominate. Oh, but I'm not going to do it. I'm instead. I am going to take. Uh, a team from the Hawkeye State, but not the Hawkeyes. That's right. Iowa State is an underdog heading to Baylor, the Baylor Bears. This, you uh, sure about that? I think Baylor's favorite. I mean, I think Baylor's the underdog. Yeah, Baylor's yeah. the underdog. And never mind. The one the, <laughs> I was looking at, I was looking at one line, and they're a three and a half point underdog. But I see now that most most everybody else has them a three. All right, never mind then. Uh, I will instead choose. I had another one here. Hang on, hang on. Um, I'll take uh, I'll take Kentucky traveling to Cotton, that's a good one. South Carolina. That was, that's I a was good hoping one. you were just gonna say I'll take Baylor. <laughs> <laughs> I should have. Um, uh, this has take Kentucky. This has oh. rock fight written all over. Oh, it. Johnny, you're right about that. Kentucky's the backs against the walls. Uh, if they lose this one, their only hope is a team like Arkansas coming into town uh, after after this to help them right the ship. But uh, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Kentucky. I think they get it done against a beleaguered Will Muschamp uh, South Carolina squad, uh, and they uh, they win it 13 to 12. Whoa! <laughs> 51 uh, point oh, 51 point over. Do they cover that? No. That way. seems high. That's that seems high. That seems yeah, really that's, high. Somebody may know something. So that somebody yeah. might know something. That might be. That's, a, that's, that's not even that's that not even in the low 40s. That's not even necessarily a high over, but for those teams, it seems just huge. Yeah. That's... Hey, I hope you. I hope you'll also realize that Colorado State is a twenty-four point uh, home or twenty-four point dog at Utah State. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Utah State's pretty good. Utah State. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they almost beat Wake Forest at Wake, and last year they went eleven and two. I mean, twenty-four points is a lot, but that's. I'm not surprised they're underdogs to them. Uh, fairly hard. Anyway, um, I, I, I left three. You left four of the games I had of my five that I wrote down. Um, the I'm gonna got a load of choices. <laughs> um, I'm going Friday night. I'm going to uh, I'm going to pick the Dirty Turps, uh, Maryland. I think they get back on track. They're hosting James Franklin and Penn State. And I'm a huge believer in Penn State, but man, it's just that Friday night just seems weird. So, so in Maryland, just uh, the crazy helmets, and uh, it's probably going to be a. I, 
I think the electricity will be out. They'll have a power outage or something of some kind, <laughs> and there'll be some kind of delay. And uh, I'm going to take Maryland and the Terps. Uh, oh well, weird Swami style score. Uh, I think this was a little higher scoring. The experts think Maryland 36, Penn State 32. Uh, That's not a bad pick. I think Maryland's got some talent. So. Um, I know they got beat by Temple, and then Temple got rolled by Buffalo. But, I, you know, that was kind of an odd deal. And I think Loxley will have them ready to play against Penn State. And uh, Anyway, there's still a lot of good ones on the board. I actually had Baylor written down. Um, I had K-State at Oklahoma State. Uh, I think Oklahoma State's good, but they'll probably be a little flat after that game against Texas last week. Uh, yeah, some good. and then Duke visiting Vautech Friday night. Some good Friday night games this week. I, I hate that Friday night has replaced Thursday because the NF, stupid yeah. NFL shows the Jags and Titans every week. Like who wants to I to- totally agree. That 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 Friday that Thursday night ESPN college game used to be the, the what I look forward to is coming home from work, having a sud with Mrs. Fayetteville, and 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 watching some some Thursday night football or college football. No more crappy NFL now. Well, yo, last week. I did watch uh, Tulane in Houston, and that was pretty exciting. But that's what you're getting. That was. Power five games, though. You used to have a good – I mean, group of five games. You used to have a really good matchup. Um, But uh, anyway, so those are the picks, Patrick. All right. Well, thank you, Jimmy G. As always, great job. Uh, Tom, we have mail. We do. Um, And uh, we have quite a bit, as may be expected, after a disappointing loss. Uh, like last Saturday, uh, our friend Jim in Tulsa um, um, notes that the small bubble has burst, and uh, he didn't see any bright spots. We tried to find a few, but there aren't many to see. And uh, Jim wonders aloud if two and ten is on the table. I think it's on the table. It may, in fact, be the betting favorite, but I'm not sure. Uh, our our friend uh, Hog Wild Jay. Uh, wrote in. We hadn't heard from him, I don't think, this year, but it's always good to hear from an old old friends. Um, Hogwild Jay uh, wonders if um, if you're a Razorback fan and you want to cheer for a different fan, can you a team? Can you can you do that? And if so, do you have to change your name? Um, do you have to pick a school and then stick with it? Uh, and, uh, he seems to think that the, uh, razor pod crew should start a cougar pod, uh, and go with, uh, coach Leach, Leach and oh. the Palouse. Oh, I love the Palouse. <laughs> and because well, he, he must be a long time listener. He knows our affinity for Washington state. That's exactly. He said he, he calls it an obvious fondness for coach Leach and the Palouse over the years. And, uh, and in fact, uh, Hog Wild Jay is now calling himself Coog Wild Jay. <laughs> we'll see how long, but oh, uh, can't uh, uh, you, you got to love the? Is this snowing on the, on the Palouse yet? That's when I know it's really college football oh, season. Big snowstorm okay. on the Palouse. Well, uh, I think I think it may Hog be. Wild Jay, he has transferred the stench of the Hogs already over to Washington State as they blew a thirty-two point <laughs> third quarter lead to winless UCLA last Saturday night. So yeah, I mean. The, the stench of being a Hawk fan has, has certainly seeped into being a Washington State fan now. So well, it's interesting, that. interesting you should say that, Jimmy G, because Cougar Wild Jay wrote in another email oh. after the original. 
oh. uh, email introducing himself now as Coog Wild J and did note that the Cougs have blown a 32-point lead, uh, losing to the 0-3 fighting Chip Kellys in a Pac-12 after dark instant classic, as he called it. And he said, but there's something uh, heart. There's something about that heartbreaking result that makes me think the transition will be a seamless one. Oh, yes. Smooth as Well done, Cougar Wild J. Our friend Tracy in Tulsa, only uh, only one word uh, he could say, and it was well with three with an ellipsis after it. There, uh, what, is, what else is there to say, Tracy and Tulsa? You're right. There were a few things to say according to Ty and Fayetteville, our old oh, friend Ty, good. Uh, not Ty Clary. Uh, we I think we'd established that at some point in the last couple of years, but uh, Ty is uh, he's on the rampage, and who could blame him? Uh, embarrassing performance. Uh, notes that Chad Morris is, has zero power five wins, um, uh, two and 12 against, uh, football FBS opponents. And, um, he just doesn't think he's going to get the job done. Thinks they sh- we should cut ties with, uh, Chad Morris, even though it is year two. Uh, but, uh, but he doesn't, he doesn't care how good at the recruiting end because you got to be able to coach him and, and a tie has, uh, Lost confidence uh, in that. Has Tyler, has Tyler go the road? Uh, I think. Well, no, he has not because, because he says now. Saying all this, I think it's revenge weekend for Starkville oh. and Boyd, and we easily cover the large spread, but just come shy, come just shy of winning thirty-one twenty-seven. Wow, so Ty, I recommend letting go of the rope. <laughs> Ty has not hey, let go of the rope. Johnny, He's hanging Ty's in there. Young. Remember, we were young once. We were his age, and we were filled with boundless optimism at that age. So don't don't crush Ty's spirit. Being it'll, 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 it'll happen in due, it'll happen right. in due course. <laughs> or it'll organically it'll it'll happen over the years. Um, and then our friend Ken wrote in. Ken uh, talked about uh, the two college football teams that he watches: Army and Arkansas. You remember our our friend Ken almost he picked the Army almost upset over Michigan a couple of weeks ago, and they probably should have won. Um, but uh, anyway, he, he notes that uh, they both came out flat, uh, but after trailing fourteen seven in the first quarter to Morgan State, the Army coach Jeff Munkin. Pulled the team aside, and they went on to score 24 unanswered on route to a pounding, a 52-21 pounding of Morgan State. Uh, whereas uh, when the Arkansas coaching staff got on to the team, uh, they then gave up 17 unanswered after that. So um, a little bit different result on the uh, getting tough with people and he mentions Club Dub, uh, our old friend Ken. He may he may want to know when the Club Dub shirts are being handed out. I think he he may he may want one. And this is where I also got the uh, note that Army beat the same as San Jose State team fifty two to three last year. <laughs> Unbelievable! Wow! And they get to play San Jose State again on October twenty sixth. So revenge time for well, Ken- the Spartans. Well, Ken will certainly uh, will be a little juiced up for Army's game that week because he knows he they sounds like he's already beaten his other favorite team, so he, yep. that'll be a revenge week, Ken. And uh, I would like Ken to know, and I know he knows this, a long time listener. I'm the only pod member that's the Army guy in the Army Navy battle. 
So that's true. That's, that is true. Jimmy G staking that out early. So no <laughs> no right. confusion. Nobody yes, I staked it out 15 early. years ago. 15 <laughs> years ago, I staked that out. Uh, but and then Ken notes that unfortunately Morris's buyout clause is 17 million, which is a lot of money, especially since we're seem to be paying buyout clauses left and right lately. Surely, uh, so. I thought it was a little less than 17 mil. That's what Is Ken says. He's, I, I'm, I haven't fact checked it. Uh, well, that's high. I know it's high, but I, 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 we'd heard from some uh, Razor Pod listeners that don't email uh, the show, but they email us personally that it was around the 12 to 15 million dollar range. I mean, it's still absurd. I don't know, but. Whatever the number is, is way too high. It's a lot and too it's much. similar to Johnny Fable's uh, bow with our sponsors. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but Johnny does have a morals clause. So we can't yes. <laughs> oh, I cannot, cannot get, get, cannot have a motorcycle wreck. <laughs> oh, that would be awful. Psycho would not be happy if you were over Oh, That's right. I've got a lifetime, I, I've got a lifetime supply of Sanka. <laughs> one jar, yeah, jar and a half, eight jar. ounce, one eight ounce jar. Oh, I'm sorry, is it a tin can or no? Yeah. Sang uh, came in the glass. screw top. Yeah. That's right, yeah, the glass cap. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, come on. Uh, in, in any event, okay, we got a, we got our final mailbag of the night is from our new friend Kirby, um, and uh, leaving nothing to chance this time. She. Leads off with saying, I'm a girl. <laughs> so uh, the Ms. Kirby uh, didn't apparently convince the uh, Razor Pod listener. So there is a, she's definitely throwing it out there. Now we know, in fact, that uh, she is a girl and she didn't want to have the conversation too much longer because she was worried about uh, that the Razor Pod crew would alienate half the world's population. And more <laughs> can't, importantly, can't, can't have that. Can't have that. <laughs> More importantly, your sponsors, as Kirby notes, although she says you'll probably keep Sanka, <laughs> regardless. Uh, where's anyway. Sanka going? Where's Sanka going? <laughs> There's not a, lot of, not a lot of call for that in the female community, apparently. Uh, and, then, uh, and then she says, I can't believe you're not talking more about Petrino. He came back to Arkansas, apologized, got teary-eyed. Oh, and uh, you know, I mean, why, why, why not now? Why not him? Why not now? I think is the point. But uh, you know, I, I think that uh, I still think he's angling for a job, and um, we we're going to have an offensive coordinator spot opening uh, at the end of the year. That's for sure. I'd take him. I'm sorry. And, and that was the that was the end of the mailbag. All right. Well. Uh... Thank you for uh, your yeoman service, as always, Tom, on the mailbag. Um, now we're on to the rants. That's for the obvious one, which we've already kind of made this entire podcast into a big rant about the San Jose State game. Does anybody have anything different that they'd like to rant about? Sam Lloyd was great. He had a 50-yard <laughs> He really got into that one. Uh, Put his uh, foot into it. I've, I've got I've got a little bit of one. You know, apparently the, the morning after or the evening after that uh, that San Jose State game, apparently uh, Morris got his staff together and told everybody, we're all going to hit the media tomorrow and we're all going to apologize and take all of the blame. And so you'll see you saw Craddock go to the, to the podium. You saw Chavis go to the podium. You saw. 
um, Morris go to the podium. The one thing that just stuck me wrong was when Craddock got a question about the offensive line struggles, and, and he said, I don't know. You'll have to go ask them. That's not taking the blame. That, that's passing the buck to a bunch of kids, and I thought that was poor form, especially when it's been reported about how his head coach instructed his coordinators after that feces show that they were, they were going to go to the media and take it full on the chin and accept all responsibility. That just kind of struck a bad tone with me. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's just the whole thing was poorly orchestrated. You could tell they were scrambling from a PR perspective. Just not a good look for the staff, I agree. Yeah, and, and the thing about that, it should be, you know, this should not be a PR. It shouldn't take PR. You're, you right. you should want to feel it in your heart to walk out there and go, you know what, I, I messed up. I mean, it's, this isn't a contri- – I don't, I don't want to hear somebody who doesn't think it's their fault tell me it's their fault. That, that doesn't mean anything to me. What I want to hear yeah. is somebody who actually believes it's their fault come out and say, gosh, you know what, I didn't have them ready. Uh, that's just the bottom line. They obviously, they clearly weren't ready. I, I thought maybe we would be. Obviously, I was wrong, and I got to get better. I mean, I, I want to hear, like, some actual apology. And, you know, nowadays in the world of college uh, football, you know, it's been so – it's you, you hear it all the time. Well, the we're coach needs to go out and take responsibility. He needs to apologize. And so now you just get a bunch of these guys who don't really believe it just coming out and mouthing words, and maybe that means something, but it really doesn't. I, I'd much rather have somebody who actually thought they were wrong tell me they're wrong because then I think they may want to fix it um, as opposed to somebody who's just doing it to get people off their back. And uh, I think there's two different ways to do it, and I'm not sure um, which way that our, our our coaching staff was going about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, it's just it's just not good. I have here's my rant. Okay, I have a little rant, and it's probably it, it is based on a very small sample, um, so it may may be fair or maybe unfair. I'm guessing it's fair. Uh, but, uh, so I was, I was coming back from the ball fields tonight and I was listening to, um, the Chad Morris show or what I didn't even realize he had one, but apparently he does a, a call-in show. I presume from the catfish. Hole I was about to say, it, is this the catfish? Hole I assume so. It was like, you know, Chuck Merritt was there and, oh, and all the they doing the, doing the interviews. And so they had, uh. Um, uh, it was toward the end of the show, and Chuck's like, "Okay, well, let's throw the let's throw it open for a question from the audience." <laughs> and this old old chap, uh, I based that on the the sound of his voice. Well, uh, coach, is there any set of circumstances where we may see the uh, third string quarterback? Uh, uh, I think his name is Jones. Is it was the question? It was <laughs> something along those lines. It may have been Jerry, for all I know. I don't know, but. Um, anyway, and Morris was like, oh, well, yeah, you know, he did all the coach speak thing. Yeah, very well could happen. I always tell my guys, one play away, you know, all this nonsense. <laughs> and then immediately after that, immediate, I mean, he didn't even finish the coach speak one, one word away. And then <laughs> Chuck Berry goes, 
Well, you know, we got a call. We got a uh, we got our email right in a question this week, Coach, and and uh, the question is, Coach, uh, how do you handle your scout team? (laughs) (laughs) Nobody asked that. No, there's no way that can be the best question (laughs) or even a question. And so he was like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, oh, we, we, really get after it. we really get after it on those scout teams. That is like more using a lifeline. <laughs> and it was yeah. unbelievable. Man. <laughs> and so anyway, I don't know if the, the, I can't I can't swear that the whole show was like that. I'm guessing that it probably was. But I don't know if it's really a rant. I just, I just shook my head and, and chuckled at the, at the just, I mean, we're, we're, we're just lost to San Jose State and suffered one of the worst loss. And then I'm sure some fan is right now. Hey, coach. Hey, uh, how are you doing with the scout team? <laughs> well, even, the, even the phrasing, coach, talk about the scout team. Yeah. yeah. Shap, that bro. is. It's like Trace Shap. No, Barrett, if, and you know, I don't make a point of listening to the four-hour pregame show on ARSN or whatever it's called nowadays, IMG Network or whatever they call it. But if you like, if I happen to be listening to some of it, you hear the bit like interview with the athletic director, the interview with the coach, or whatever. It is every bit of it is like that scout team drill. It's like, hey, coach, last week, you know, the the score really wasn't what you wanted, but you know, that third quarter, Ty Clary, he pulled around on that one play. He pulled and took out the linebacker boy that was that that was so encouraging wasn't it coach and coach like oh yeah we're proud of Ty on that play and that's the whole interview <laughs> he should do that with Jeff Long too. <laughs> thank you stream yard Patrick Williams there. I've lost Patrick. Yeah. Where'd he go? Johnny's gone. John, Johnny just went vanish. <laughs> he, he's gone. Is it just you and I? I think <laughs> so. Where's Williams? On mute. He's on mute. Yeah. His little microphone is on mute. I see that. Oh, now he's back. Oh, now it's on. Johnny just uh, ditch. I think he just yeah, left. Yeah. yeah, he vanished. We've had enough. Uh, my battery ran out and my microphone <laughs> switch oh, up real quick. Oh, it's positive. Okay, we done with rant? Yes. Yes. All right. Well, we'll say goodnight for this issue of Razorpod. Um, the classic, as you would expect, following a, a loss like that. So, uh, thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. And uh, hopefully – more to discuss and less uh, angst, but uh, as always, that's uh, the life of a regiment. So, thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. All right. See you, Patrick. Bye.